This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. It all began here in darkness, stuck in our brokenness, wandering, directionless, in need of a grace we knew nothing about. It's not much of a beginning, but this is where we were. Fast forward to a starry night in Bethlehem. You see, while we were lost in darkness, God was consumed by love, a love which led him to do the unimaginable, a love which would cost him his son. That night, the heart of Christmas began beating with a rhythm that would change the world. Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, was born. Grace in a manger, love in the flesh. Hope had overcome hopelessness. Mercy had triumphed over brokenness and love had overpowered the darkness. Today, we celebrate that moment. We worship our Messiah, and we stand in awe of the life-changing gift God has given us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the true heart of Christmas. So I made a parenting fail this week. Has anybody ever made a parenting fail? Just let it ring out. All right, there you go. You can pull me down a little bit. I think that's... Oh, there it is. Okay, it's a little better. All right, good. Okay. Some, uh, I'm not alone in this, all right? So we've made some parenting fails. I, I made one uh, this uh, past week, and I'm going to share it with you. I was talking to my bride, but I'm teaching my daughter something, right? So I'm talking with Rachel, and so naturally I'm teaching my daughter uh, not to interrupt adults, right? Have you all ever tried to do this? Super easy, like, right? They listen the first time right now. No, but she, but honestly, my daughter deserves attention. Like, she deserves my attention. Uh, I want to give her my attention. I want to raise her up, teach her things, ask, let her ask difficult questions, and I want to give her the time to answer those questions. So I want to give her my time, right? Like, I want to bless her that, but I also want her to know that there's times where I'm talking to an adult where she can wait. And so one of the things I've taught her is uh, she can grab my hand to let me know she's there, right? Just to let me know she's present and she wants me, right? Or grab my shirt or something just to let me know that she's around, all right? And if she does that, I try to give her some intentionality, like turn towards her and, and, and make myself aware that she's there and she wants me to ask me something, okay? So uh, I put that policy in place, and I've tried to stick to it. Um, it. We have to stick to it as parents, right? And so sometimes I'll be like, nope, you gotta wait. I'm talking to an adult. 
right? So I did that. She was uh, uh, trying to get my attention, and I told her, no, I'm talking to your mom, trying to give my bride the attention she deserves as well. So uh, we have a couple minutes where we're having uh, a discussion, and then all of a sudden I look down at Evie to give her the attention she needs, and I look at her, with, and uh, she's kind of got this really sad face on, on her, and uh, she says, Daddy, you're standing on my finger. Hmm. Oh man, whoops. <laughs> so I like grab her hand. I'm like, I'm so sorry, baby. Um, at first, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not sticking your finger. And she's like, oh, it's like, you know, oh, I was, okay, sorry. You know, parenting fails. Like we make mistakes as parents. But, you know, I was, I was thinking through this series and we're postponing, uh, we're moving the Titus series to the first of the year so we can really focus in on this Christmas season and then come back full speed into Titus. And so I was thinking through this Christmas uh, um, uh, series and the idea of chaos, like people are like, why would you talk about chaos during Christmas? Well, I think the reality is sometimes even though we try to push it off, the reality is sometimes Christmas is chaotic, right? But what we do often is we fill our minds and our eyesight and our our ears and everything with, with what's in front of us that we miss the chaos around us, right? Even when it's good things. Like when I'm focusing on what my bride is saying to me, because we, we uh, should give our, our brides attention and listen to them, right? Careful. Right? Yeah, good word. Okay, men, right? So we should give that attention. But then at the same time, we recognize there's chaos around us, right? And so um, one of the things I was thinking through, okay, like is praying through this, okay, what God would you, would you have us learn in the midst of chaos when it's a season where we're trying to have joy? Well, think about Christmas, right? And this is especially true in Maryland. And I, now I promise, I, I love Maryland there's, uh, or enjoy Maryland. There's many things about it. God's called me here. Those are true. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't get cold here, right? There's this, there's this strange thing that takes place in, in, in winter time, right? What happens, literally happens is long, warm days become short, cold days and long, dark nights. What is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, that's, that's, that's not as much so uh, when you go more southern. Uh, it's warmer. It's less dark. All of those things are true. Um, I can't even imagine living in Alaska where it's like, 20, like 25 minutes or something of, of light right now. Unbelievable, right? Um, there's a place in some other country where it never gets dark. Like these things are crazy to me. This is realities of creation and all this stuff. But when I think about like this really cold season, what happens? The long warm days become short cold days, right? The kids are inside by like 5 p.m. because it's dark outside. Like it's sad. It's like you see these things and you're like, man, this is, it becomes dreary outside. You had this wonderful, fruitful, producing year with your vegetation and the fruit is so delicious throughout the summer. And now we're getting like leftovers through the winter. You know what I'm talking about? Strawberries are hard as a rock and like white. And you're like, these are supposed to be red. What happened? You know what I'm talking about? What I'm saying? Like everything is like, it seems so wonderful and alive during the summer. The trees are beautiful. All of a sudden during the fall, you're like, wow, this is really pretty. Like they turn orange and red and yellow and you love all of it. And then all of a sudden they fall off. And you're like, this is just, it looks terrible. And the reality is it, it actually causes in many a, a similar, what is really depression, suffering, struggle. Like the holidays are hard for many people. It almost makes sense why we celebrate Christmas in the middle of the winter. 
It's like we need a little bit of joy in the middle of this chaos, right? But the problem is the chaos is still there. And the answer to the chaos is not taking our minds to what we've turned Christmas into, right? The answer in the midst of chaos is to find the one who brings peace and calm. And so what we're looking for is a Savior. And I think it's in the midst of this chaos that we need to make sure we don't turn our eyes away from it, but rather find the, find the answer to it. We need to find the source of joy and the source of peace and the source of calm in the midst of the chaos. And, I, and if we are not looking to Genesis 1 and 2 as that restoration of what is calm and peaceful and good, very good for our lives, then we're completely missing the grace of God and what He really intended for Jesus Christ to be doing on earth when He was here. Because that restoration of God's presence and God's perfect creation back to humanity, back to this world, is exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross and in his resurrection. He's restoring things back to very good. I hope that, that every Christmas, like you should hold me to this, that we, if we're going to talk about Jesus, we ought to talk about what he is doing. And I hope every time I do it, we don't just talk about the despair of this world, but we talk about the hope of Jesus Christ. To turn things back to what is very good, not, not just to make things very wicked and look at the very wicked things in this world. And so I hope today you'll be able to walk away knowing that God, can't, God made this world, God judged this world, and God completed this world. We're going to see it in Genesis 1, verses 31 through chapter 2, verse 3, if you'll read, read it with me. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. What does it mean for God to make something? Like, for it to be God-made, what does that even mean? Like, think through that. Have you ever processed through, like, we, we talk about all the time, like, made in America, made in Mexico, made in China, made in Japan, whatever. Like, you see, like, on tags, made in wherever. And, like, we put identity on where things are made. We go through the Christmas season buying gifts from everybody, and every time you buy a gift, like, on the box somewhere, it's going to tell you where that thing was made. Have you ever thought through like being really intentional with Christmas and really intentional with this season to say, hey, all of these things have been made by God? Right? Like, have you ever thought through the intentionality of that? Is Christmas really a season that we're bringing worship to God, or are we really just filling a void of chaos with the things of this world? Like, hey, this thing was made in blank and have joy. What? Are we, are we not offering like, hey, this thing was made by God, and I hope that it brings joy in your life because it is very good. It was intended to be very good. And you can distort it. You can make it wicked and evil. You can take God's good gifts and turn them into wicked things. People have done that since the beginning of time. But its intention, the purpose of it, was to bring joy in your life, peace in your life, calm to your chaos. What are your gifts? Like, what are we blessing people with during this season? If we're not intentional, we might go through this season and look at like relationships, our marriage, our friendships, our church life. We look at getting together with family during the Christmas season as a chore, as one more thing that we have to do. But what if we looked at it how it was intended? Like, did God not gift you with these relationships? Are these not things that were made in time, like before creation even became, uh, uh, before he spoke things into crea creation, he thought about this. 
He thought about you with the friend that you have, with the church that you have, and all these things to bless you and give you something that you can go through this chaotic life with, finding joy and peace because God created something good for you to have in the midst of it. Now, sure, we, again, like I said, we can turn good things into something that is wicked, but we can also look at everything that God has created and give Him the glory for it. It's a very dangerous thing to be saying that we're recognizing Jesus at Christmas, but really what we're doing is giving people things that just say made in somewhere else and not going, this is from God. Like, I want to bless you with something from God. Right? So how do we be intentional with our time? Look at this. Genesis chapter 1. Look at this intentionality. Right? Like, this is not just like, hey guys, hope you enjoy the world and live in it. Like, God didn't just go figure this thing out. It's going to be pretty cool. Look at verse 7. It says, so God made the expanse. The same word in Hebrew. Made the expanse. In verse 11, he uses the same word again when it says, then God said, let the earth produce. Let it make vegetation. Like God was intentional with these things. He's the one that is making these things for you. Genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 12, the earth produced vegetation. Again, it's making vegetation because God called it to. He gave it intentionality. Verse 16, God made the two great lights. He's creating light for you. Takes darkness and fills it with light. Verse 25, so God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kind. So he makes wildlife. He's got intentionality there and he sees it and he says it's good at the end of verse 25. Verse 26, let us make man. There's intentionality there. He's making us a place to dwell, and then he creates us to live within it. Verse 31, then he sees everything that he had made, and he declares it to be very good in chapter 2, 31 through 2. So God makes all of these different things with intentionality. He's not just like, hey, here's, uh, you know, I hope this all works out. No, man, God like created this world for you to live and dwell within it. Have you thought through that this Christmas season, how God was intentionally creating a place for you to dwell? This isn't just like a season for us to just rush through. Have you ever like, have you ever thought about Christmas? I start celebrating Christmas in like December 26th. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love Christmas. I really enjoy it. And I think I can say I love it because it's a celebration of Christ, right? Like I enjoy celebrating Christ. Um, but we start like putting decorations out before any, most people do. Uh, we're like, considered weird on the on the on the neighborhood block, you know. People are like, "Oh, McMillan's got their lights up. Great, we can't sleep again." You know, it's like we celebrate early. Um, <clears throat> but part of that recognition is like throughout life and throughout your journey of, of recognizing the things that God gave you and what is around you. Are you get like during the Christmas season? Are you just sprinting through it, or are you giving intentionality to everything you're doing? Because I'm like, in November, I'm like pumped about Christmas. I'm like, it's coming. Um, I can't wait to hang out with family, friends, and just like sing loud songs and be crazy, like with my kids dancing in the kitchen and just being goofy, right? Like I enjoy all of those things in celebration and honor of God. Like I want to have that fun. I enjoy the little different festivities that we do for Christ in my family with my kids. I enjoy those things. I like listening to my wife belt out wonderful hymns and, and choruses in my house, right? Like, I enjoy those things. But at the end of Christmas, does anybody else, like, get through it and go, whoa, where did Christmas go? Like, it feels like it goes like that. Are y'all with me? It's so easy to get through Christmas and do all the different things without sitting down and recognizing Christ in the middle of it. If we're not super careful, what we'll do is we'll get through it and we'll have a lot of man-made things that we are excited about without looking at what God made for you in this season. 
Y'all with me? Now think about it. After God makes all these things, he says, uh, it's very good. Now, in, in the middle of making all of them throughout the days, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then finally he says, it's very good. And you've heard it said, like once he creates man, he says, this is very good. But I want you to think through each moment that it becomes good. Because if God had chosen to be mute, one, one guy said this, if God had chosen to be mute, encroaching darkness, unrestricted waters, and the hollow sounds of the empty wastelands would be the earth's state. But God has transformed and filled the earth. You thought about that? Verse 2, right? Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. That's how the world would be without God. Like, he just, he, he created all these things, um, and now he's created this earth, and it's formless and void, and, wa- and you know, depth of the ocean, like, all these different things, but it's kind of chaotic. It's, the actual Hebrew terms have it, like, being really just a, a chaos. It has no intentionality. It has no form and fill, right? And it's not until something happens in verse 2 that life and transformation takes place. And what is it? Look at the end of verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I mean, it like, where the Spirit of God is, there's life, transformation, there's intentionality. He brings things that were dark and void and puts them in uh, intentional control, but also brings them into goodness and declares them to be good, 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 and very good. Right? This is why in the New Testament, I like, when I read it, I'm like, oh man, like there is so much behind it. It's not just where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No, it's like where the Spirit of the Lord is, there was like no intentionality, no life, and just chaos. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there becomes goodness. Very good intentionality. And I think it becomes even just more amazing. Thinking about this very good statement, thinking about where the Spirit is, doesn't it become amazing to know that that same Spirit is in you? That's when we start to realize, okay, if chaos is around us, if like I'm stepping on my daughter's finger and I don't even know it, right? I'm just trying to give my wife attention that she deserves and is good. And sometimes that's how life is, right? We're like, I'm doing what is right, God. Like I'm, I'm trying to push forward with what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And really like there's chaos. You're like hurting things. You're hurting people around you. You don't even realize how destructive your nature's become. And it's like, hey, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's going to be transformation. It's good to know that. Man, it's good to know that. Because when you find out, it's in those moments where you find out, like, isn't Christmas sometimes those moments where you're like, you get together with your family, like, this is going to be awesome, this is going to be awesome. You get together with your family, like, ooh. <laughs> this is why we get together one time a year. You know what I'm saying? And it's sad. It's sad. I get it. Like, it hurts. It's not, I mean, it's a reality that doesn't feel good. But if you take a step back and you ask the question, like, is God's Spirit in that place? Is God's Spirit in you? And if He is, what can He do in those relationships? Instead of thinking about like the dread of being present with friends and family or coworkers or whatever it may be, how can you be intentional to bring about calm in the midst of chaos? Restoration in the midst of brokenness. How can you use that family dis- disruption or friendship disruption? How can you use that and restore it by the grace of God to say, hey, God made this. God called it very good, and I'm an agent of God's restoration. I'm part of God's plan, bringing this thing back to life. And so I'm going to bring life into this, not death. And so chaos is around us. 
But at Christmas time, let's not worship things that are outside of God. Let's not idolize things that were made uh, by human hands. But what if we just worshiped what God has given us? What if we focused in, set our minds on the things that were God made and blessed to us, like given to us for the purpose of finding peace and calm? As Carl Barth notes, it's very good. These things are very good when all the good things come together. Like, have you ever thought about how they're not like individually very good, but it's only when they all come together that they become very good? Most people will note down, well, it's very good because humans are there. Well, that's, that's part of it. But it's the whole thing that he sees. Like, I, I am... Buddy uh, Landrum, he's our chairman of deacons. We, he was uh, teaching uh, in the deacons meeting. We do a Bible study in there, and he was teaching, and he had gone to a dark sky. It's where you can see all, pretty much the stars you are, you are able to see with your eyes. You can see them because there's no light pollution. Unbelievable, right? I go outside my house, and I look up, and I see street lights. Y'all with me? He, he's go, he goes to these dark sky places, which, by the way, there's one like an hour and a half away from here, and you can see, like, the, the sky as it was meant to be, and I wonder, have you ever just thought through this? He challenged us with this. What did Moses see? When he's writing Genesis, this God's word, writing through him for Genesis, when he looks up at the stars, when Abraham talks about the stars and Moses writes it down, like what is he actually seeing? It must have been amazing. Take that one step further. What do you think Adam and Eve saw? Man, like, good, good, good. God's like, these things look great. And then he puts his, his, uh, his people in there, and he's like, no, 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 that's, that's very good. The image of God on, in, in the world. Numbers uh, 14, 7 says, it, it says this, and Moses was trying to find a new place for them to live and being led by God to find this new place while they were in the wilderness and stuff, and, and they were looking and discovering like a new place. And it says this, it says, and, it said, and they, said, they said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. That was the report to him. Like, this is a good land, extremely good land. Now, if you look at it, extremely good is nearly identical to the very good phrase God had given. Because throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, God is restoring what was very good that we corrupted. Because we are good, humans are good at taking good things and making them bad taking something that was very good and turning it into something that is wicked. We see it all around us, the chaos and disease, the chaos and death, the chaos and disruption of relationships. We see it all around us. And it's ultimately because we took something that was very good and we've made it very wicked and evil. And so I can't imagine what Adam and Eve saw. Like John Calvin said, he says, we ought to think in our minds, we ought to contemplate this. God's fatherly love toward mankind in that he did not create Adam until he had lavished upon the universe all manner of good things. <laughs> like Adam and Eve in the garden looking around and going, like perfection of creatures, animals that were like beautiful, plant life, fruit life, beautiful vegetation, the mountains and the streams, everything was just immaculate. Like, perfection. God had created perfection for them. And he waited till the moment. He didn't put them there when there was like this watery depth that was like chaotic and formless and void and dark. He didn't put them there and be like, and they were like, I mean, I, would be, I, I think I, we'd all be scared. 
right? Like treading in the water, like trying to figure out, like, God, what do we do here? Like not knowing where to go. There's no land. He hadn't separated it yet. There's no light, so we don't have warmth. None of that. Like he waited until creation was perfect. And Adam and Eve could look around and see the beauty of what God had created. So when I think of very good, I like to think about what Adam and Eve experienced. I like to think about God giving us the responsibility of caring for his world, whether it be the animals and the, the creation or the human being react, uh, relationships that we have. God gave us the responsibility. Like of day seven, he steps back and he's like, this is holy. This is good. He rests from the work of his creation, takes a step back and gives us the responsibility I've said this before. Can you imagine, like, do you feel the responsibility that we have as images of God to take care of, steward over his creation that was created as very good that we disrupted? It's unbelievable. I disrupted that. Now, I'm part of restoring that back to what is very good. Like, God is using us as a church to bring back what is very good. And as I think about being part of that, I'm like, man, God, you put me here to experience this very good, and now you're letting me be a part of bringing it back. It's amazing. But do you think about that at Christmas? I think it's got to be important, and here's why. And Look, I, I, I tried to make sure that I'm, I'm right here, and I, and I hope I am. And God's grace, like this study will come, become fruitful, and we'll see the connections here. And I think it's right uh, based on Scripture. But walk with me through this. And, and be thinking through that. Like, is God, is God restoring, and is God recreating and completing the work uh, that we disrupted and messed up? He completed the very good, and is He doing that again? Look at Genesis uh, 2, verse 2. It says, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. He kind of repeats those two things. It's, it's pretty significant. He completed his work, right? He had completed all the work. Well, then I was like, all right, I got to study this further because that phrase, completed his work, has got to be significant. There seems to be something there. So I started looking at, I looked at that. That's in Hebrew, but it's translated in Greek. Uh, it's called the Septuagint, right? Um, and it's a word, teleo. Teleo means to complete or to finish something. All right, so bear with me. That, that word right there is from the word teleo. Literally, it's soon teleo. But when you move to John chapter 4, verse 34, it's like, okay, let's look at these connections. It says this, and Jesus is speaking here. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Right, completed his work, finished his work. So I'm like, okay, is Jesus pointing back to Genesis? You can't stop there because that's one instance and it's same words, but you got you to gotta make sure you can back that up, right? It's got to be biblical, okay? But it is the same word. It's teleo, Septuagint, both words, teleo, right? So it's like, okay, there's, there might be a connection here because finishes work sounds a lot like completed his work. So again, John is in the New Testament. Genesis is in the Old Testament. We see a connection here. John chapter 17. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. It says in verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I've glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Completing the work. Like completing the work, like identical to uh, Genesis 1. Now that's English, so we could have just, but it is the same word, it's teleo again. So that's, that, that makes a difference. That, 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 we should be reading through John going, whoa, this sounds a lot like God's creation. This sounds a lot like when God was creating the world. 
and now he's talking about it in terms of Jesus. So then you go a little bit further, and you see Jesus on the cross in John chapter 19. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Again, teleo, the literal word, tetelestai, it is finished. And now you've got you to ask the question, what was Jesus finishing? What was the work he was doing? And why does it sound so similar to creation? And so you back up a little bit. What, what is it? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How does Genesis 1 start? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you can see that John is trying to show us that he's, he's working from this idea that Jesus was there at creation. And we see it in Colossians 1, and we see it in Hebrews 1. And if Jesus was there at creation, and he's the eternal God there with his Father and the Spirit, Spirit's hovering, God is thinking and, and creating uh, uh, with ideas, and Jesus is literally physically doing it and working to bring about creation, then what is Jesus doing in the world? In this chaotic world that he comes into as a baby and he grows up into, and then he says that it is finished, and he's taking our minds back to Genesis. What is he doing? And then, man, it just like drops the hammer on it in John chapter 1, verse 10. It says, He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Like, Jesus is the one creating in Genesis, and he's also the one creating in John. And if that same God is living in you, then he is recreating what was very good. And as much as Adam and Eve would look around and see the beautiful creation that God had created that was good for them, right for them, would sustain them and give them everything they needed, and most importantly, God walked among them. And if all that is true, God is recreating that in you right now. So I hope this, this Christmas that you will focus on Christ, not chaos. Because creation is in chaos because of our choices and mistakes. But God took a chaotic planet that had no design, no control, and no inhabitants, and he made it very good. And if he'll do that for a formless planet, he'll do that for you. Man, I long for the day. Like, I desire this so much when everything that we do and everything that we see is so good. Like, it's very good again. When our words and our interactions, when the way that we carry ourselves in our relationships with our families and our giftings and our uh, brothers and sisters and our friends, like, everything is just very good. I hope this Christmas you long for that more than you long for anything else you experience at Christmas. To see what is very good. And if we work towards that, like work towards what God has created you to do, hopefully, in God's grace, we'll start to see what is very good in the midst of chaos. Now, uh, do you remember what happens in Genesis 2? Like God rests, and then what does he do with man? Work. Like he rests, and then he says, now you work. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't, this was pre-fall. Like, this is pre-sin. Work. And so you might say, well, well work came because of, of sin. No, no, no. Work came before sin. So working is good. And in fact, if, we, if we're honest about it, and heaven is restoration of Garden of Eden, and we're literally going to see the Garden of Eden in Revelation descend upon this world, like new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem kind of thing. If we're going to see all that, then guess what? There's going to be work. 
and it's going to be good for you. In fact, that work is part of the good. So it's got to be very good. And all of a sudden I start to see it and it's like, okay, well, God's resting, but yet he's called me to work. And now he's given me the responsibility of steward of his creation. So not only is it that I want to experience very good, but I've been called to be a part of creating very good. I've been called to work towards very good. I've been called to create in my family very good. In my church, very good. So as you walk, are you creating chaos or calm? And I want to be really clear because somebody asked me this question. It's a really good question. Does God not bring calamity? Because Isaiah 45 and because of Matthew in the, um, when he's speaking to the Pharisees in his purpose and intent, he clarifies to his disciples, what is he doing? Well, sometimes they'll say things like, like I, I didn't come just to create peace, but I came come to create division. Why? Not all destruction is evil. It depends on how you define what is good. Now, if God declared things to be very good, then they, I think we should, I personally want to give God the ability to declare what is good and what is evil because he's the ultimate judge. And so if there's some destruction that is good, I got to trust that, that, that sometimes he's got to destroy things, especially wicked things. And I can trust him in that. And I hope you can trust him in that too. But part of it is giving it over to him to say what is very good. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If it's God made, then God is remaking us. If we were made by God, then God is remaking us through Christ. If it's God judged, so he gets to determine what is good and what is evil, then he's also continually judging us today to determine if we're very good or very wicked. And you may say, well, he's going to determine me to be very wicked all the time. Well, the good news is you can either choose to be, uh, you can choose to be uh, viewed through the lens of your works or Christ's works. That's the purpose of Christ's coming because we couldn't do what we ought to do. So he died the death that he didn't deserve and raised from the dead so that now we aren't seen through the lens of what we do, but through the lens of what he did. And so you can choose for God the judge to view you based on if you're good or not or to view Christ based on if you're good or not. And that's a gracious God. And if you think about it, there's no way we could have been good, so it's the only opportunity. It's like, well, man, that, that really cop out because now you're just focusing on what Jesus did and you don't have to do anything. Well, no, it's because I literally couldn't do good. And God saw the history of mankind choose to do what is evil and take what is very good and make it wicked. And if we're going to celebrate something at Christmas, let's celebrate this, that although we turned something that was very good into something wicked, Jesus still forgave us of it. So that we, God the Father sees him, not us, and judges him, not us. It's unbelievable. That kind of grace is just unbelievable. So good. And God completed, and God will complete. That's one of my favorite thoughts. Like, if God completed what was very good, and you're like in this moment of like, man, I feel like it's like, I feel like I'm struggling. Like, especially in winter, like you might feel depressed or like suffering and anxious and just worry and you see the darkness around you. You're like, man, this is just a terrible season. Don't let that take you captive. Think about this. God completed what was very good. He took darkness and turned it into very good. You may be in the process. It might be like day one, day two kind of thing. I'm not trying to take it, you know, literally implied to your life. But you might be in that process. And you might be going, man, it just doesn't feel good. Like, I'm not there yet. Well, remember, if God can complete a perfect world, he can complete you. Right? So God is completing us. And it won't come for a long time, but it is coming. Place your hope and faith in those moments. And so I want you to be able to walk away with some truths today.
for every moment, big or small, that you see in the effects of creation becoming chaos, that we've chosen evil instead of good, for all of those effects, I want to challenge you to set your mind, heart, and actions on Christ. So if you're in a moment of stress, you're settling in on the peace of Christ this season. If you're in a moment of depression, you're delighting in the joy of Christ. If you're in a moment of being busy and overwhelmed, you feel like you can't do everything, just slow down and meditate on Christ. It's as A.W. Tozer said, Creation is the setting forth of Jesus Christ as Lord and Sovereign. For Jesus Christ is the purpose of God in creation. Man, that we would fix our minds on Jesus during this Christmas season. So I'm challenging you to do this. Would you meditate on Psalm 104? It's a psalm. It's beautiful. A couple months ago when I was laying out this sermon series, for Christmas. I'd lay this out, and I'm like going back to it, and like, man, this is so fruitful because it's talking about creation. And I'm like, man, what does creation have to do with Christmas? Well, creation would be in disarray if it weren't for Christ coming into it, right? And so we look back at the goodness of creation, and we can more meditate on what God did for us. So I challenge you to meditate through Psalm 104 this Christmas season. See if it'll fix your eyes on Christ and not the things of this world, but the goodness of this world that God created. It culminates in this, Psalm 104, 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Remember, he completed his works. As he brings that recreation in your life, may God have the glory and may he rejoice. Right? Like that's my, that, that, is, that should be the prayer of all of our lives is that we're working toward. May God get the glory forever and may he rejoice in the work that he has done in us. And second, I want to challenge you to seek God's control for your chaos. And the way by which we do this is we got to release control. As long as we hold on to things, we tend to create chaos. Release control. Give it over to the Father. Releasing control. Listening to Him through, and you got to remember the process, right? Through God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people, we allow God to speak into our life, never contradicting. We allow God to speak into our life, seek wisdom from others. Is this from the Lord, or am I misunderstanding this? Is this from the Lord? And then rest in that. When we find God's calm and peace in the midst of our chaos, resting in those truths and not allowing this world to overcome us. And then last, right, work. Once you get that moment where it's like, okay, this is what God wants for me in my life. I'm going to sit in on this. I'm going to let this become part of my life, permeate on it like this is goodness for me. Now I'm going to pursue it. Let's go. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to work for it for others, and I'm going to work for it for this creation. How are you being intentional with this Christmas season to bring about very good? Don't let this go by the next 20-something days without being intentional about how you point people back to how God made it, how God judged it very good, and how God completed what he said he would do. And he will one day. I'm going to pray for you as the worship team comes. God, you are good, and you created a perfect world for us. And I thank you, God, that you did not leave us in the midst of our rebellion and making this thing not perfect. But instead, you've come back to restore it into what it was supposed to be. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be a part of your plan to restore it. But I also pray, God, that you would continue to work in our own lives. Would you bring goodness into our hearts, our actions, our words? Would you transform us just like your spirit works to 
bring about transformation in this world, I'm confident you can work to bring about transformation in us. So we are yours, God. Transform us. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.
good right well thank you for being here for being here to encourage one another to admonish one another as you go man don't sprint out of here spend some time just loving on one another use the gift that god has given you and spread it around to each other um, but we are really glad that you're here and hope you'll come back next week and we'll see you next time thanks you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.